Come on. Aaron Scotty is a movie producer, having worked on films including The Peanut Butter Falcon, turned spiritual leader with The Awakened Soul, and now finally a guest on Lifeblood Complete. Welcome, Aaron. Thank you, George. It's an honor to be here, man. Thanks excited, for yeah, excited to have you on, Aaron. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. All right. Well, uh, let's see. I grew up in Philadelphia, and uh, I always kind of felt like I wanted to go bigger. I I had a million jobs, um, mostly surrounding like, you know, working with my hands, construction, stuff like this, odds and ends, uh, washing dishes, restaurants, you know, the the typical things where you're surrounded by opportunity for work, flexibility and all that. Um, But I always wanted more. I, I always enjoyed meeting new people and connecting and inspiring and learning from others and growing that way. Um, but I grew up in a small town outside of Philadelphia and I was like, how do I, uh, you know, I always wanted to do something different. You know, I could never do a desk job or one, you know, job for 30 years. Um, so in society, it didn't really lend itself so well to, you know, growing in, in one position and aiming towards a pension stuff like that. But I was like, how do I just get to do something different every year, you know? Um, so I started, you know, I loved movies and, and television and, and there were a lot of shows and movies that inspired me and uh, I laughed and I cried and I was like, I want to do that for people. And maybe one year I could be an athlete and next year I can play a doctor then I can do this and I can do that and get to experience all that humanity has to offer through this medium of acting. Right. Um, and then, so I moved to New York. I got a scholarship to a school in New York called, uh, it was called this school for film and television. It's now called the New York Conservatory for Dramatic Arts. So I did a two-year program there. Uh, and that was 2006 to 2008. I remember I was in college. I did go to college and I was there at, at, in 2001. And I remember this girl that I drove to school. Um, she came, she's like, did you hear the planes hit the Twin Towers? Mm. And that was that day. And I was like, it just hit me in a way. I was like, what am I doing? What, what am I doing with my life? How am I serving humanity? You know, I just felt like I wasn't doing enough. Um, and I got good grades and stuff cause I was supposed to, but I was bored. Mm. Um, so that day hit me and I was like, what am I going to do? And ever since then, I really started to think about what I wanted to do with my life. And eventually in 2006, you know, I went and tried to do these little acting schools in Philly and in 2006, I got this scholarship. I went to the conservatory for two years. And January 09, I packed up the car and drove across the country to LA to um, apply my training and and do the do the whole actor hamster wheel thing, you know, audition, <laughs> find a money job and this and that. Um, and I guess because we hear what a struggle it is, our subconscious mind receives all that and projects it back out there. So I felt like it, oh, it was a struggle and a dogfight. And then I would, you know, I booked this job and that was so exciting. And here we go. And then back to the drawing board. And now I need another money job. And um, I bounced around LA for a little while with bartending stuff and even construction stuff because I had that background. Um, and then 
Uh, my buddies started Armory Films. Um, man, I don't even know now, maybe six to eight years ago, probably at this point. Um, and they would send me scripts like, hey, see if there's a part you like it. And I'd be like, oh, I like this part. But that part has to go to Zac Efron or some name actor to move mm-hmm. the needle and sell the box office, yada, yada. Um, so I got to, I got to have a full experience of what this industry was like and the, the industry versus artistry. Uh, I found some really good acting classes out here. So I, I really got to meet a lot of actors for, for across the board um, and work on our shit, you know, work on tearing down the walls. So I think for me, a lot of it was, you know, growing up in Philly, um, we're told, be a man, suck it up, men don't cry. And you had to really build these walls around your heart. And I I never knew it until like now looking in hindsight, like I was a sensitive kid, you know? Um, but I stopped crying. Like I didn't cry because it's like, shut up, don't cry, man up, all this stuff. And, or, you know, you get teased by kids. So I had to find ways to fit in, which I did, you know what I mean? And uh, little did I know, like it caused a lot of physical pain. You know, I, I've since learned that energy traps in the body and it manifests physical if, if you don't really release that energy, right? Um, and emotions are energy in motion, meant to flow, all that kind of stuff. So I did okay, you know, for, for somebody who had nobody out here in LA, uh, no friends, family, just packed up the car alone and kind of made it work. I booked some jobs on TV and movies. It was pretty cool. Um, then when Armory would send me those scripts and I would realize I'm not getting these parts because, you know, I remember I even auditioned for a part and, you know, uh, John Mayer ended up getting the part. It's like, what are you going to do? Sure. Um, so you kind of learn about the industry that way, but you also love the artistry because you, you find the heart of humanity. Um, but like, again, for me, it, I realized I was just tearing down the walls because if you want to portray all of humanity, you can't do it just from your one place. This like Philly dude who built walls. You can't fake it. You really got to rip those walls down and show your heart. And that's what I started to learn. Um, and then eventually I just said, look, I, you know, they did a movie in New Orleans and they were like, you should come and party. I'm like, I can't just go and party. I'd love to work on the movie and help you guys produce. Um, that one had like 37 producers on it. It was called Mudbound. Uh, went to Netflix, had uh, a lot of critical acclaim and awards and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the next one, there was space for. And I went to Kentucky with these guys. Um, they gave me my first opportunity as, as an associate producer. Um, worked with uh, Nicolas Cage and Selma Blair and Annie, uh, Annie Winters. Uh, and um, it was a really fun experience. And I got, because as an actor, you hit your mark, you do your job and you stay out of the way. But I like to interact with people. I'm a problem solver. I like to help. I have the construction background. I have all these backgrounds of problem solving. Um, but I always knew my place. As an actor, you stay out of the way, right? Um, but as a producer, it was my job to actually problem solve. And like, there was this moment where we had an old car. It had T-tops. It was like a 1979 Trans Am Firebird. Um, and Nicholas Cage, there was a scene where he had to smash through, uh, with a pickaxe. And I remember reading the script and going, guys, like, do we need backup for this? Cause I have a back, I know cars and stuff. And, and you, you just kind of think about these things. Like those, that's an old car. 
and you're going to smash that glass in one take, or do you need to look your mirror? You know, but there's a million other things going on through pre-production. Um, so it just kind of got swept under the rug. And then the, the day before we did that stunt, um, the first AD was like, we need, we need glass. We need to practice this stunt. And it's like, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> So that kind of landed on me and, and I was like, all right, this is a big one. I was calling around. We were shooting in Kentucky. I was getting laughed at by, from junkyards going, you know, been in this business 12 years. I've never seen that piece of glass come through this mm. country. You ain't going to find it, yada, yada. Somehow, miraculously, I found it two hours away, brought some cash out there, got the glass, came back, stopped at Lowe's, got a pickaxe, nice. handed it to Nick and they, they ran the test. Um, smashed the glass, it fit, and then they were able to run it. And I was like, wow, how cool is that? You know, like that's fun. It was solving a puzzle piece like that seemed impossible. Um, and that was my first little taste of because people were like, what do producers do? And I'm like, nothing and everything, right. everything, but it looks like nothing. Like, I, I couldn't tell you, it, you find out on the day. Um, and that was exciting, exhilarating, and and rewarding in its own way. So I kind of stayed there, and I really stopped acting. And we went from there. We, we went to Iceland to do a movie with Mads Mikkelsen called Arctic, uh, which was really awesome. We were shooting in the snowy mountains of Iceland, um, long days, cold days, but watching somebody like Mads work, you know, watching somebody like Nick Cage work and Selma Blair, these guys are awesome. You know, they're, they've been around for so long. And hearing those stories, you know, it was great. And then seeing Mads out there and, you know, he would, he would take a, a cigarette break in the snow. He wouldn't even go in the van. So I'm like, well, if the, if the talent's not going in the warm van, I'm not going in the warm van. Sure. You know what I mean? And it's kind of, it was crazy, man. But, but that was a lot of fun. And then um, we went straight from the coldest scenario imaginable to, uh, savannah georgia to shoot the peanut butter falcon in the in the sweaty humid summer so they talk about variety and wanting to be able to do something different you know from month to month year to year i got to have that experience and it was really great um but i think meeting zach zach played the lead in the peanut butter falcon he has down syndrome nobody's ever done this before everybody gets you know dustin hoffman or cuba gooding jr to play whatever you want to call it um but Zach has Down syndrome and they, and they tailor this movie around Zach's strengths and weaknesses and likes and dislikes. And, you know, Zach loves wrestling. Zach's from Florida. And, uh, a lot of the stuff um, came from him directly, you know, um, and they tailored the script around him. It was so beautiful. But meeting Zach, I'm, I already have the chills. Like, I don't really talk about this that much anymore because I'm so busy with a new family. Uh that I forget, man, how beautiful that whole experience was. I'm almost going to cry. I'm like getting emotional and chills all through my body. But meeting Zach really changed my life because, you know, he's the definition of unconditional love. And I think growing up, building walls around our heart, you know, I'm not the only one that did it. We all do it, right, to fit into society. Zach reminded me what my heart looked like and where it was. And after all that acting training and classes and this, that, and the other, and then you meet Zach and it's like, he had this little chisel. It wasn't overwhelming. It wasn't like rip the wall down in one set. It was just chisel, chisel, chisel. I love you. I love you, Aaron. 
I love you, Aaron. He would say it all the time and he meant it every single time. And I, I credit Zach a lot on um, preparing me to be a father because I had to heal myself. And I, I have a whole story about the physical pain that I went through and the medical community gave me the runaround and was on all kinds of drugs and pills and this and that and treatments and physical therapy and nothing worked, man. Um, and that's I've really, really, I mean, I, this was happening back in New York 15 years ago. I was having back spasms, went to an acupuncturist. So, and I was told 15 years ago that I came to this earth to be part of a shift in human consciousness. I didn't know what that meant at the time. Now I understand it. Um, but it, everything just kind of led up to this moment we're all living in today. And Zach was a huge part of that last little chisel. Um, kind of opened my heart and showed me what it meant to apply the heart and the love in every moment, right? So between the physical pain and, and, and that movie and that experience, um, it really opened me up a lot. And I remember there were, when I ripped myself off of all their medicine, physical therapy, I said, I'm done telling my body it's broken. This manifested from within. And they're treating me like I was hit by a bus. They wanted to give me epidurals. And that's when I said, started to go, I'm done. Mm. I'm done with this medical Western medicine, at least for now. Like I know it has its place. If you break a bone or extreme circumstances, but they were telling me I was going to be crippled for life basically. Um, and I was like, I'm done telling my body it's broken because subconsciously my body is justifying what the best doctor in Beverly Hills is showing me on the screen at my MRIs and all this stuff, my body just justified what my subconscious started to believe because I was trusting the experts. And this is before 2020. So I, when I did that, pulled myself off a lot of medication they had me on. One of them was an anxiety pill. Like, you know, they're, they're like, you're going to, this is going to come with a lot of anxiety. So this will help with that. And this will help with pain. This will help with inflammation. When I went cold turkey off everything, I felt great. I was doing breath work and meditation. Like two or three weeks later, I woke up one morning and I just started, I was like crying. And I was like, what the hell's wrong with me? I was like depressed. Like I wanted, I understood people with suicide. Like it was a very weird, profound feeling. I was like, this doesn't make sense. Why do I feel this way? And then I remembered you're not supposed to go off certain medicines cold turkey like that. Mm. You're supposed to taper off for six months to a year off of something psychological, I guess. You know? um, but I, I had a choice to make because I remember learning about um, John, Dr. John Sarno uh, healing back pain and all this, talked about tension myositis syndrome, where he believed that all these emotions trapped in your body causes physical pain. You need to release the emotion to release some of the pain, right? So in that moment where I started crying for no reason, I said, I have a choice to make. I know it's from the medicine. I could go, go back on the medicine and taper off for six months, or I can just cry. And no, now I don't recommend this for this, to anyone. It, sure. <laughs> it is not fun. I might stand here and talk to you right now, like very matter of factly, but in that moment, man, it was scary. It was torture. It was dark. It was heavy. And I just kept telling myself, those thoughts are an illusion. You do not want to kill yourself. Like you, I love life, you know, 
And I knew that those thoughts were coming because of the chemical stuff that the medicine did and whatever. So I chose to stay off it. And for like four months straight, I woke up every single day crying my eyes out. Wow. Just kept saying, thank you, God. Thank you, source. Thank you, universe. I don't know why this is happening to me, but I trust it's for a good purpose. Um, and I just released and released. And because my wife is pregnant too, through that, like through that period of time. And I was like, if I don't do this now, it's never going to happen. Yeah. So I kind of just leaned into it and I kept going, man. My dog would come up and lick my tears. It became routine every morning for about four months. Um, so that was a heavy, profound experience. And then my son was born, man. And because I cleared all that junk out of the way, I was able to receive that. I was able to connect and bond and look him in the eyes see my son and him see allow my son to see me and meet me and meet my heart. And I think I'm a better father because of it. And I credit Zach a lot, like I said, for helping me tear those walls down those last bits. Um, I'm thankful for the pain and, and what I went through. I'm thankful for, you know, what, whatever, you know, the medical community put me through and big farm. And I'm thankful for it all in hindsight. There's still a little resentment and I, and I have to admit that. Sure. You know what I mean? Uh, especially, you know, when I said, I didn't know why this was happening. My son was born on uh, Christmas Eve, 2019. Three months later was March, 2020. We all know what happened there. And when everybody got confused, a light bulb, I was like, oh, now everything makes sense. Now I know why it all happened. It's almost as if it saved me from a lot of the stuff people are going through. Like I never really participated in some of the stuff people are being told to do. I saw behind all the curtains. I said, I can see the patterns. I see what is going on. Um, so for me and my family, we were able to live freely. And when everybody was staying inside, I was taking my son out to the park three times a day, breathing fresh air, bare feet in the grass, and all this natural stuff that I had to learn to heal my body and heal my soul. I was able to share that with my son and now with my daughter, you know, she's six weeks old. She's been, she's been out since week two, you know? Um, and my family's healthy and thriving because I think of the pain and trauma and suffering I went through beforehand. So man, what a roller coaster it's been. Um, that was one of the reasons why I decided to start the awakened soul because after a movie like the peanut butter Falcon and seeing I would have thought like studios would have been all over this thing because we were testing it, it personally in front of audiences in person and they would loved it through the roof. It was testing through the roof. And I'm like, Oh, this is going to be huge. Like studios are going to love it. And they just, they had nothing to compare it to. They all go off comps. Um, so the financiers had to double down on distribution and put more money into distribute it with roadside attractions um, and it stayed like an independent operation and it still did really, really well. But I was like, I don't understand why Hollywood doesn't want to lean into this and, and really blast it out. Like this could have been a Disney movie or something, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so it just kind of rubbed me. I, I started looking behind that curtain again. And I was like, I don't know, man, maybe they don't want to inspire the world as much as I do. And instead of being a part of, what felt at the time to me like a manipulation machine 
as we're seeing, we're seeing Hollywood just kind of say, well, our opinion is the right opinion. And nobody's, you know, people that are watching these movies aren't kind of thinking for themselves. And that's fine. We all have to go through our process. Like, I hope that people don't have to go through the trauma and suffering that I went through to see a little more clarity. But we all have our own path, right? So I just decided, like, seemed a little bit manipulative. And I don't want to be a part of that machine right now, uh, you know, and put something out where millions of people see it. What if I could just do my own thing? And if I inspire one person, genuinely, isn't that a little better? But we're programmed to think like, oh, it's about like, you got to get to an award show and make this wide, broad presence and inspiration. And I think the Peanut Butter Falcon did that. And it took me 15 years to be a part of something like that. And then even still, it didn't go as big as you would think. You know, the whole world, I feel like, should see that movie. Classrooms, they should be playing that in classrooms. So kids look at Down syndrome a little differently. I think everybody is missing out. Everybody should have a friend with Down syndrome. And I I don't like to use the word should, so find out another (laughs) word. Because I think those words should and should are a little poisonous. But I think people would benefit from a relationship with somebody with Down syndrome right? The way I did, the way I watch, not just me, I watched every single person on that set have a profound, enlightening experience just being around Zach. Um, And then doing the press tour and all that kind of stuff. I'm meeting people with other kids with Down syndrome and parents just thank you. They're like, my son's whole world changed because people are receiving them better. And it's like, that's what I wanted to do for the world, you know? Um, So after that, I was like, I don't know how to top this right now um so i started the awakened soul and i just started speaking this way some people might hear this and get offended by something i said i don't know i i don't even think about it anymore i just speak very matter-of-factly from my experience that's my experience we all have a different journey right um but a lot of people don't want to hear certain things uh because the truth hurts big time sometimes Uh, and not to be uncomfortably honest with yourself and it's not fun, you know, but once you get through it, wow, the, the whole world opens up. Um, and then I never would have met you. I never would have met Mark Victor Hansen, who introduced me to you. Um, and I had them on my podcast. And we had such a beautiful conversation. Um, a lot of people in the awakened soul are just, they're able to speak freely. They're able to ask questions, um, tap back into our innate curiosity, Right. Because I think we're taught in school to to uh, stop daydreaming and memorize and regurgitate. And that's what you're seeing in the world. People got really good at memorizing and regurgitating. So they go and memorize the news and they regurgitate it on social media. Yeah. And you're just like, why is everybody saying the same exact thing? <laughs> it's impossible to, that people are having the same exact thought at the same exact time. You know, and you see people who are kind of thinking for themselves outside the box. They're pushing the envelope and exploring. Like, I think we're explorers by nature. Um, So I think daydreaming and exploration and curiosity, which has been kind of hijacked lately, needs to come back around for people to kind of feel better. And that's just my opinion. And it's not for everyone, you know. But that's why I started the Awakened Soul, and I'm, you know, I've been, you know, coaching people on their journey, and we're just creating the community to have a conversation, meet other people who are 
curious and want to expand their consciousness and you know stuff like that. I love it. So uh, long story short, <laughs> that's, good <laughs> story long, you know? that's good stuff, man. I love it. I love it. Aaron, I think that the people are ready for your difference making tip, even though you've given us a lot. What do you have for them? Well, I think um, lean into change. You know, uh, I know I, I kind of was forced to do it. I wasn't forced. I chose it. I chose it with two thumbs in my eye. I could kind of forced, but you, it is a choice. You don't have to, you can choose to ignore what's going on or resist the change uh, as, as much as you want. It's just going to be from my experience, going to be more painful. So if we lean in and embrace the change, there's beauty on the other side of all of the, the pain and trauma and confusion that's going on in the world right now. Um, and it's when you trust and embrace and lean into that change that you'll start to see it little by little. Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets, come on, come on, Aaron. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you and the awakened soul and how can they engage with you? Um, so I have a group. You can find me on Facebook, Aaron Christopher Scotty. You can follow me on Instagram, Aaron Christopher Scotty. And then on Facebook, I started the group, the awakened soul. Um, and it's on my page. You can just click on there, the group and the page uh, to join. Um, I'm in the process of it. We've been a little slower on the uh, podcast and, and engagement because I had just had another child. Um, so I have a one and a half year old son and a six week old daughter. Uh, Lucas just went on a 10 day trip with his family. So um, we're just kind of the dust is settling a little. We're coming back up for air. So Lucas and I will start to get back to it, but we're also creating, we're going to create a, a public page, a public group as well. So it's easier to share and stuff like that. But for now you can join the, the private group that we have. Um, there's about 500 members now. Um, and from there, we'll just let you know when we're transitioning over and you can watch, uh, we have a YouTube page, the awakened soul. Um, and there's some really good interviews that we've had so far, including Mark, Victor Hansen and, and Crystal talking about their book, Ask, um, amongst others. So Love and it. then reach out, just send me a message if you want to reach out for any coaching or any work or, or, you know, any questions, just reach out. Perfect. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Aaron your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. You can find Aaron. Uh, his handle is Aaron Christopher Scotty on Facebook and Instagram, and you can find the Awakened Soul group on Aaron's page and check out the YouTube course as well and um, get in touch with them for coaching and get, in part, get involved with the community as well. Thanks again, Aaron. Thanks, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.